0: Listen to Locadora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
3: Radio. That's right, you heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Friday. We are coming to you live from the TyRac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fox Sports Radio, Tireac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Another wacky, crazy week in the world of sports. An NBA head coach fired with a record of 30 and 13. Is there a doctor in the house? Oh, boy. See what I did there? I can't wait for a game seven. Please, just get to a game seven. Meanwhile, a couple players score 70 points, five score 60, a couple in a loss. Oh, boy. A somewhat controversial Hall of Fame induction. We don't have the ceremony. That's later in August. Hall of Fame induction uh, Major League Baseball event this week. We're going to get to that and break it down a little bit. A fabulous Final Four. A fabulous Final Four in the uh, NFL. As there are only three games left uh, on the NFL calendar this year. Wah, wah, wah. But uh, there, there should be a doozy this weekend. And, uh, and, and, uh, and of course, there's there's always so much more. Our midnight hour coming up. Uh, we've got a couple of topics tonight. Will Jim Harbaugh win a championship in Los Angeles? And should folks be allowed to rush the field or court? You saw what happened to Caitlin, Caitlin Clark. We're going to dive into that a little bit. I want to hear it from you, folks. It's 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 a it's a it's a conversation piece, and it serves, I guess, to provide a lesson for all of us in life. You really got to keep your head on the swivel. Sort of reminds me, back in the day, Freddie Lynn was walking to the plate uh, when he was playing for the California Angels many, many years ago, many moons ago. Do you all remember Morgana the Kissing Bandit? Of course you do. Rather large endowment in the upper half. Could probably bench press a lot. A legend. And a delightful lady, too. Great in interviews. Very interesting personal story. But she had a habit of running on the field and, uh, and kissing athletes and really became a thing. And then, you know, they would arrest her and release her. and Everybody loved her. It was, it was a deal, all right? You could not watch a sports center without that being a highlight. It was a deal. So one day, Freddie Lynn, and again, Google Morgana, the kissing band, and you'll see what I mean about the upper endowment. Pretty impressive, all right? So one particular day, Freddie Lynn was walking to the plate, and he got he got, uh, morgana Morganed, as it were, and she kissed him on the cheek. And then after the game, he was kind of sheepish, and a reporter asked him, said, Freddie, did you have any idea that this sneak attack was coming? Did you have any sense? He said, well, you know, I was walking toward the plate, and behind me I heard all kind of sort of odd noises and smirks and laughter and a few catcalls. I figured it had to be one of two things. Either a beach ball had gotten on the field or somebody had run on the field. And sure enough, I turned around. Sure enough, it was beach balls. (laughs) Again, you've got to keep your head on a swivel in life, and certainly if you're going to keep up in the world of sports. But the big story that will be talked about the most, and it already is, and I really can't wait for the press conference Thursday. I guarantee it will be a doozy. Some idiosyncratic thing will be said. Jim Harbaugh is back in the NFL. Yes, I told you, It's about a 75% chance it would happen, and if it was going to happen, about a 90% chance it would be with the Chargers. The Stars simply lined up this year. That 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 job came open. He's got a man crush. Uh, you know, we, I don't need to repeat what I've said a dozen times. There was never a guarantee, but the stars lined up. They weren't two years ago. Minnesota didn't want him last year. Denver was interested, but Harbaugh knew he had 44 seniors coming back. He closed the deal. He would have wanted to go to the NFL. He's been wanting to for a long time. Gee, do you think this is a massive upgrade? By the way, I've searched long and hard in my brain to juxtapose a coach leaving versus a coach coming in, and I don't know how you quantify it, but I cannot think of a larger upgrade uh, with all due respect to the outgoing Brandon Staley who graced Los Angeles with a 24-24 record. Oh, by the way, he was a sparkling 6-13 in games decided by three points or less. Let's not forget the infamous blowing the 27 nothing lead in the 22 playoffs to Jacksonville, and I thought he was a defensive specialist. Oh, yeah. By the way, he's interviewing with Green Bay to be their defensive coordinator. Well, why not? He had a bottom 10 ranking in total defense all three seasons. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Brandon Staley. Thanks for participating. Grab the home version of the game on the way out, or actually don't even do that. So let's agree this is a massive upgrade over Brandon Staley. So what, in fact, are the Chargers getting for their money? Well, first of all, they're getting a former quarterback who played 17 years in the National Football League who I think has a real chance to get Justin Herbert to his ceiling, and he must expand Justin Herbert. The story begins and ends there. Now, Herbert's already been outstanding. It's the rest of the roster in all three phases, which Harbaugh, will, he'll whip them into shape. He'll change the culture. Mark my words. It, it'll be a, There's already an energy around the building they haven't had since, uh, well, uh, what Dan Fouts was there. John Hadle was there. Google it, you knuckleheads. Her, Herbert is, I, I'm a fan of Herbert. He's a, he is the Chargers franchise quarterback. He is their greatest hope for winning a championship. In 2021, for example, he said franchise records, He threw over 5,000 yards, 38 passing touchdowns against 15 picks. And listen, the Chargers have had good quarterbacks over the years. Drew Brees, Dan Fouts, Phillip Rivers. The problem is Herbert can't do it alone. He's only got a 30-32 and record to show for his production. And really, 2021 was his best season. And that was last year before Brandon Staley got there. Bring in Jim Harbaugh. Yes, he's a former NFL quarterback. He may understand Herbert's situation better than Staley. Gee, you think? Staley was a former defensive coordinator, and I cannot get this image indelibly etched in my mind of him doing the cat-cow yoga move, and somebody caught it on camera, and they couldn't look away, and I couldn't either, and it ruined me for a couple weeks. Staley, weirdo. Harbaugh, weirdo, but weirdo in a good way. And he also will understand that Herbert has had three different offensive coordinators with different systems in his four seasons, and he's about to get his fourth new guy. But there will be conversations, the kind of conversations Harbaugh could have that should further develop Herbert and show him how he understands his situations. And one of the things he's going to do, I guarantee you, he's going to take pressure off of Justin Herbert. If you understand Jim Harbaugh's offenses in college and in the NFL, The quarterback's not asked to do one whole hell of a lot. Manage the game. You're going to see a a team committed to the run, which will set up the pass. It'll have enough tricks for explosive plays, but for the most part, Herbert's not going to feel like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. Harbaugh will have that gift to get him in that mindset. Harbaugh's always said the quarterback gets too much credit and too much blame. There's a lot of blame when things go wrong, maybe not enough credit when the team does win. But as a coach, you're an advice giver, you're an organizer, you're a planner on all contingencies. Up close, Harbaugh will be in Herbert's ear and get him mentally ready. Harbaugh will also bring his reputation to Los Angeles for being demanding. Expect Harbaugh to be very demanding. This is a big one. There are going to be whispers as there have been in the past when Harbaugh was in the NFL in San Francisco, and I know exactly how it ended and why it ended, and Harbaugh created the turmoil himself, wanted to be paid like a Super Bowl coach. Jed York says we'll win the Super Bowl. The turmoil started. Harbaugh ended up in Michigan the next year. All right. Harbaugh is also going to be very demanding of his coaches. He's going to be demanding of his personnel people. He's going to be demanding of his players. And even though it's been a decade since he's been in the NFL, a leopard doesn't change his spots. Now, I think Harbaugh is going to be able to connect with these people, these men. These are grown men. Harbaugh, it's going to be no issues here with Harbaugh getting, transitioning back to the NFL. He understands how an NFL player thinks mentally, emotionally, physically. Right? He understands that not all players get motivated the same way. They don't respond to the same types of things. They're not going to respond necessarily what Jim Harbaugh responded to. So he's going to find what motivates each one of these guys. He's going to challenge each one to get the most out of them, right? Also expect Harbaugh to bring a lot of his assistants, including Jesse Minter, the brilliant defensive coordinator that was the orchestrator of that Michigan defense. That's what I think was a major part of the negotiation over the last day, few days that, that enabled it to elongate. Um uh, I'm guessing Harbaugh at least wants Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator who he was with in San Francisco, but we, we don't know that yet, all right? So he's going to evaluate the roster. There's little doubt. He's going to know his stance on everything from on how to, the players can, can should conduct themselves on the field, off the field. Harbaugh is a man of faith. You'll be hearing that. Don't be surprised. He may even speak out on – controversial topics like abortion right back in 2017 harbaugh took his michigan team to a field trip to vatican city and they met the pope no joke so harbaugh is quite vocal about the fact that his, his spirituality plays a major role in his life faith family then football and you know look Har- he, 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 he it's not just talk Harbaugh takes annual trips to Peru. He does mission uh, missionary work. He works with a company called the Legal Services Corporation. Uh, he does a lot of things, and he gives – you will hear him. Uh, you could put the over-under on at least three before the years. He'll give credit to God and Jesus Christ for his journey, and uh, and he means it. He, he really does. Make no mistake. The Michigan Wolverine. Or, oh, boy. The Los Angeles Chargers are getting a man of conviction. Many of them. He's got many convictions. So get ready, L.A., for a very quirky, a very eccentric, sometimes maddening, one-of-a-kind football savant who usually finds a way to win. And get ready because it go- it's going to be a bumpy-ass ride. It's not going to be smooth. It wasn't that long ago that Jim Harbaugh was 2-4 and four in the COVID era and his, one of his best friends, former teammates, and current athletic director at the University of Michigan, Ward Manuel, cut his pay in half, and many wanted him gone. Somehow they rebounded, and you saw what they did. So this is this is going to be so fun to watch. Honestly, you're in for a treat. Uh, because of my exposure and and people I talk to that text with them, people that eat with them, all my time at Michigan, etc. I just think you're in for a hell of a ride, and you're really going to enjoy it. Meanwhile, what's going to happen at the University of Michigan? Well, they have their man, and it made perfect sense. We'll talk about that coming up. By the way, shortly after my show tonight, our podcast will be going up. If you missed any of tonight's show, be sure to check out the podcast. Shea Mogengard, my guy, does a great job of getting that up. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll see this show posted right after we get off the air. I'm Bernie Frodo. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Rack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to The Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. A lot to get to, and I promise later in the show we will dive heavily into the NFL Conference Finals, observations, thoughts, predictions, analysis, handicapping. And by the way, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio every Saturday morning beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific for Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Brian Noel, Rich Ornberger, and betting analyst Jared Smith will have you covered three hours before college kickoff every Saturday morning. Listen to Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, right here on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app. Remember, top of the hour, the midnight hour resumes. Callers have been fantastic. We had almost 20 callers last week. We have two topics tonight. Will Jim Harbaugh win at, will he win a Super Bowl? Will he get to a Super Bowl? Well, or you tell me what you think. What kind of success? What do you expect him to do? And then, of course, we are going to get to this. Uh, I'm going to touch on this just before midnight. Uh, the SEC and the penalties they have for charging rushing the field. You may have seen what happened to Caitlin Clark last week. She dodged a bullet, maybe, you know, Tempest in a teapot. But historically, uh, there have been multiple injuries happen when people rush the field. I mean, and I'll get into some of that a little little bit later, but I want to hear your thoughts. All right. You may remember Sharon Moore after beating Ohio State and very emotional, crying, no big deal. Uh, I and love you, Coach you, Jim Harbaugh. opened the door. Sherron Moore was six and zero this year. I, I think it is you know in games he it was not an easy thing to do what he did by the way. And, and so I guess for the record, I think Urban Meyer said this. Jim Harbaugh's two and five against Ohio State. He didn't get that third win because Sharon Moore was on the sideline when michigan beat ohio state he replaces jim harbaugh makes perfect sense i understand maybe they talked to chris Kleiman or lance leipold uh, maybe even brian kelly but that was that was all token stuff right more very very deserving he is going to He understands the nature and culture of what it means to be at michigan understands their legacy and how michigan people see themselves playing football 144 years he understands what their standards are. They won't change. He wants his team to be smart, tough, dependable, relentless, enthusiastic. Wants to have championship level caliber team that loves football, and they not only play, you know, with passion, but they play for each other. They play for the winged helmet. He wants to have excellence in the field, on the classroom, all those things. I don't think those are platitudes. This guy really honestly gets it. I, I I know the 17 year the 14 years I was in the the market. I lived in Michigan 17 years. I worked in that market 14 14 15. And you know, with all due respect, you know, Michigan's very incestuous about their football. They really believe they invented the game. Look, they're riding high. They got their national championship and it would have made no sense to go anywhere else outside. They got their man. I think you talk about a transition I joked about the transition from Brandon Staley to Jim Harbaugh. The transition from Jim Harbaugh to Sharon Moore, and I still got to do it, should be relatively seamless. We'll see. Give him, give him. You know, let's see what it looks like after he's got a five-year deal. People want to know. Okay, what do you? Five-year deal, base salary, five hundred thousand dollars, with five million in additional compensation, even in year one. And what uh, Michigan will do is increase his salary by two percent in every subsequent year. And Sharon Moore will also receive 500K per contract year as long as he remains the head coach for the entirety of the year, which is kind of odd verbiage in, in my view. Why, why would he think he's going to quit midseason? But Sharon Moore can also earn up to an additional three and a half million in bonuses, including 500,000 for winning the conference championship and a million for winning the national championship. Now, his buyout starts at five million. In case you were wondering, Jim Harbaugh's is 1.5. I told you that's why he had a low buyout. You knew why he didn't sign the extension, yada, 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 went over a 1,000 times. His uh, Sharron Moore's buyout decreases by a million each year, all the way down to a million in the final year of his contract. It's all boilerplate stuff, right? And in case you missed it, Sharon Moore has actually been serving as the Wolverines' offensive coordinator. He was the interim head coach actually in four games this past season. He went 4-0, including big wins over Penn State and Ohio State. That helped keep Michigan on track and undefeated in their run to their national championship. That is no small feat. I'm sure the poor guy felt the pressure of the world, and he responded. He truly did. And when the heat got hot, it was hard to breathe. He showed wonderful, tremendous leadership. And obviously, Sherron Moore, the first black head football coach in Michigan's history to hold the permanent position. And I think this is something, this is a guy who's been preparing this for his entire life. I really believe he's ready. And I told you what I believed his his standards were. He's been at the school since, I think, 2017, 2018. He was originally hired, Sharon Moore, as their tight ends coach. And prior to that, he'd been at Central Michigan and Louisville before he was personally hired by by Jim Harbaugh. So Sharon Moore then went on to be named the offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator before the 2021 season, and you have to give him high marks for both because Michigan on his offenses, even though they weren't, you know, there wasn't a lot of glitz and glamour and sizzle, they were effective, and uh, they did what they needed to do. And in terms of uh, Sharon Moore's offensive line and the and, and the and the units he constructed and coached and presided over, remember uh, Michigan, Michigan and their offensive line coached by Sharon Moore won the prestigious Joe Moore Award as the top offensive line in college football in back-to-back seasons in 21 and 22. So I really believe that Michigan's athletic director, Ward Manuel, is, is very pleased that Michigan can have this kind of a s- seamless transition. He knows that, that Moore is a, is a natural leader. He's proven he can be a leader for the program. He's worn multiple hats, tight ends coach offensive uh, you know co-offensive uh, coordinator offensive line coach and he understands that the offensive side of the football he is perceived as a very fierce individual as a very dynamic person a very competitive guy there's no question he's going to get the best out of the players that he has mentored and will continue to mentor and above and beyond all the players not only love him but they love playing for him by the way uh, sharon moore was also a finalist this past season for the 2023 uh, Broyles award named, after you know frank Broyles as the top assistant in the country so now he'll build a staff like jim harbaugh yet and, and jim harbaugh did and we we don't know if any of the current michigan assistants will be returning or how many will go on uh, to the nfl but uh, i'm sure that they will backfill in and you saw what happened when nick saban left alabama and At some point in the next couple shows, I'm going to have a commentary on why I do believe Kalen DeBoer will have success at Alabama. The reason I invoke his name and draw a parallel for that right now is because whenever a coach leaves, the team has 30 days in the portal to decide what they want to do. And Alabama had no less than 30 players jump into the portal after Nick Saban retired. I don't think you're going to see that at Michigan, and we, we haven't even heard yet. There's still a possibility JJ McCarthy uh, may return as Michigan's quarterback, uh, but we shall see. Coming up, the Hall of Fame voting was in this week. Three lucky winners were in. I'll talk about that. Was it controversial? Well, there are certainly people that have questions and have comments, and I'll share with you what those are. But first. Let's go to our guy, the chef, Kevin Wired, making an appearance on a Friday night with the latest. Yeah, Bernie, it was
11: actually Luka Doncic, though, who cooked up a performance on Friday night.
3: Luka
2: trying to split the double team, and he does. Coming down the lane, and to the rim, scores with a foul,
3: and a three-point play chance for Doncic looking for 73.
11: Mavericks Radio Network there with the call. Doncic would nail that free... That free throw to get his 73rd point. It's the fourth most point scored in a single game in NBA history. And the Mavericks would need most of that to get by the Atlanta Hawks. It was just a five-point margin victory for Dallas, 148-143, the final down in Atlanta. Luka not the only one cooking up a big performance on Friday night. Devin Booker had 62 points, but it was not enough for the Phoenix Suns. They followed the Indiana Pacers, 133-131, as Indiana outscored Phoenix. By 11 points in that pivotal fourth quarter. Other NBA games from Friday night Rockets over the Hornets 138 104. Clippers pound the Raptors 127 107. Grizzlies edge the Mavics 107 106. Cavaliers beat the Bucks, 112 to 100. Donovan Mitchell 32 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Giannis had 22, 11, and 9. Thunder. With a defensive performance against the Pelicans, 107-83. Oklahoma City wins it. As Shea Gilgis Alexander had 31 points, and the Spurs get just their ninth win of the season against the Portland Trailblazers, 116 100 the final down in San Antonio. NFL, big news if you're a 49ers fan, as Debo Samuel will play in Sunday's NFC Championship game against the Detroit Lions. He practiced for the second straight day today, and he does not have an injury designation. Samuel had to leave last Saturday's game against Green Bay with a shoulder injury. The Detroit Lions, however, did rule out guard Jonah Jackson and wide receiver Khalif Raymond for Sunday's NFC Championship game. Chiefs All-Pro guard Joe Thune has been ruled out of the AFC Championship game with a strained pectoral muscle. Isaiah Pacheco, Kadarius Tony listed as questionable. And the big news in college football, Michigan promoting Sharon Moore to head coach and gave him a reported five-year contract as he replaces Jim Harbaugh, who left to go coach the L.A. Chargers. Back to you, Bernie.
3: All right, thanks, Chef. Good stuff. We'll be getting you and Shay involved in the show later on with some subjects. Of course, top of the hour, uh, our midnight hour. It's been great. Two subjects tonight. Will Jim Harbaugh win with the Chargers? And we're going to get into this rushing the court, rushing the field thing after the Caitlin Clark incident last week as a general discussion. Are you for it? Are you against it? We'll, we'll give the pros and cons and a little history. I'll tee that up here coming up in about 10, 12 minutes. But welcome to the Hall of Fame. It, uh, the, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame welcomed three new members Tuesday as Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton were inducted by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Now, obviously, to no one's surprise, Adrian Beltre was an overwhelming selection. He appeared on 95% of the ballots, 95.1% of the ballots if you're scoring at home. While Todd Helton got in at 79.7%. And Joe Maurer, Joe Maurer, it's, it's going to be lit like Joe Mauer, Minnesota, 76 Percent seventy six point one narrowly cleared the seventy five percent threshold, and not only is Joe Mauer in, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So so was Beltray, and uh, we'll get to the controversial part in a second. And, and of course, Todd Helton, who barely missed the induction last year, it was his sixth year on the ballot, and he started to see, you know, his candidacy increase steadily over the years, which happens. You know, it took Trevor Hoffman a few years. He gets 67% one year. He's 34 votes short. Then the next year, he got 74%. He's only five votes short. And then finally, in 2018, he got him 80% of the vote. He cleared it by 20 votes, which draws a Billy Wagner comparison, which i get to in a minute. But here's here's kind of a thick, uh, quick thumbnail sketch. Beltre played almost 2,800 games in third base, only second to Brooks Robinson, at six hundred and thirty-six doubles, that's good for eleventh of all time. You may, you know, think about these numbers though. Adrian Beltre, three thousand one hundred sixty, so three thousand one hundred sixty-six hits. That's big time, man. Four hundred and seventy-seven home runs. That's just a no-brainer. You get three thousand hits or five hundred home runs, you're in. Unless, again, I'll get to some controversy here in a second. Meanwhile, Todd Helton. Uh, people were controversial about this one. He was a five-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner, one batting title, hit 316 for his career, one of two players in Major League history with multiple seasons of 400 total bases. But there's controversy there. And, of course, and I'm going to get to it, Joe Maurer, six-time All-Star, left-handed hitting catcher with Minnesota, won MVP award, three batting titles, the most by a catcher, the only catcher in Major League Baseball history with at least 2,000 hits, a 300 career batting average, and a 380 on-base percentage. But not everybody was happy. Uh, I'll start with Maurer. People were a little bent. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer, but a first ballot? Well, to give us some perspective, Yogi Berra was a second ballot Hall of Famer. Look at his numbers. Uh, Joe DiMaggio. Didn't get in until his fourth try. So I think some people were a little bent about that. And I hate doing this kind of stuff, but if I'm going to be fair and objective and cover all angles, people were jiggy about Todd Helton. Now, I think, look, I wasn't sure if he should be in or not, but I, I probably would have given him the nod. But here's the problem. People wanted to diminish his offensive prowess because of his achievements at Chorus Field. Let's face it, Chorus Field is a hitter's haven uh why and, and their home road splits give credence to these folks arguments because todd helton played almost the identical number of games at home in Coors field in denver the mile high city as he did it away there were like a 30 game difference but at home it's incredible todd helton had like 300 more hits he had uh, 50 more doubles. He had 19 more triples. He had 85 more home runs. He had 350 more RBIs. He even stole more bases at home. And his batting average at home, Todd Helton, was 342. It was 287 on the road. That's a 55-point difference. But if you talk to the Mike Lowells, if you talk to the... They'll tell you that Todd Helton was still, when he came to town and in visiting city, he was still the most feared hitter in the lineup. But there are going to be those who feel that... His numbers were skewed because he played in Coors Field, be that as it may. Gary Sheffield belongs in the Hall of Fame, okay? Unfortunately, in his final year in the ballot, he only got 63.9% of the vote. His exclusion from the Hall appears to be primarily based on the allegations of steroid use. Sheffield did tell Sports Illustrated in 2004 that he used the Balco product known as the cream before the O2 season and did not know that it contained steroids. Look, I, I have to recuse myself from the argument because i talked to Gary Sheffield many times. He played for the Tigers for a bit. He used to come through town. Really good guy. Great athlete, very conversational, very misunderstood. And just look at his numbers. I mean, by every statistical category, Gary Sheffield deserves to be in. And if, I mean... David Ortiz is in. Mike Piazza is in. I don't want to cast his Persians, but if we're really going to go down that road, Sheffield told USA Today last December he actually used that product one time because he was told it would help stop the bleeding after stitches popped. He had a surgically repaired knee, and he was working out, and the stitches popped. They said, rub it on. It'll help stop, and he did. Sheffield is one of seven Hall of Fame eligible members of the 500 Home Run Club not to be inducted. I don't know if it serves any fruitful purpose anymore to keep these guys out. I just don't know. I, I, I'm i being 100% honest. I finally made peace with that. Jerry Sheffield was a force of nature. I believe he should have been voted in. It, it, it's a logical vote. And it's almost like, since there weren't a hell of a lot of super big-time marquee names like the, the Derek Jeters, etc., they're putting guys in because they've they got to have a ceremony in, in August, And the thing about baseball, it's the hardest Hall of Fame to get in because more than any other sport, it's it's married to the historical numerical perspective. Speaking of that, I also thought Billy Wagner had a really good shot to get in. Uh, I'm going to predict that Billy Wagner will get in next year. He was a premier uh, closer, big league closer for 15 years. He missed out last year in 2023 by 27 votes. Uh, For the 2024 induction, he missed by five votes. Now, let me tell you, let me ask you if this sounds familiar. Because in 2016, Trevor Hoffman missed out by 34 votes. The next year, by five votes. And in 2018, he got in. So, again, Wagner, 27 votes last year, five votes this year. Do I think he gets in next year? Yes. I think Billy Wagner, basically, maybe it takes you eight, nine, ten years, whatever. The thing is that People compare everybody to Mariano Rivera, who's phenomenal. And so, you know, if if you don't compare favorably with him, they wonder. Trevor Hoffman, who was the first member of the 600 Save Club, still needed, you know, multiple elections to get in. So basically, Wagner is, is hunting for those final few votes. Do I think he gets it next year? To me, it, it, would, seem, it would seem logical. Uh, so, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just have to find out. Also I think you might look to Carlos Beltran next year. I think he's got an excellent chance of getting in and uh and we'll see. We'll see. It's 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 a frankly I think it's become a highly subjective vote. Again, coming up top of the hour, the midnight hour, we want to hear from you 877 99 on Fox 877-996-6369 two topics this week. We'll go back to the Jim Harbaugh thing Welcome to Los Angeles. You'll see his press conference Thursday. I already can't wait for the season to get here. Do you expect Jim Harbaugh to win a Super Bowl? Or at least get to a Super Bowl? And you saw what happened with Caitlin Clark in their game versus Ohio State last week. Inadvertently, a fan running on the court. They collide. She spins like a whirling dervish. She wasn't hurt, but she weren't sure at first. And if you don't think this is a serious matter, I'll share with you what the SEC did last year in, in, in increasing some pretty significant penalties for their member schools for rushing the court and rushing the field, and then I, I will share with you some history: college basketball, college football, when serious injuries happened because of people rushing the field. Want to get your thoughts on there? I'm not here to dictate this. I'm here to see what the folks believe. Eight seven seven nine nine on Fox. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Shea will take your calls at midnight. We'll be getting the crew's thoughts on those two things as well. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com Studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. Top of the hour, the midnight hour. Shea Manning the controls. You'll dial them up at 877-996-6369-996. Try that again, Bernie. 877 on fox Two topics tonight. Will Jim Harbaugh win with the Chargers and get him to a Super Bowl? And the second one that I really want to get people's thoughts on happened last week after the Ohio State-Iowa game. I was upset. Ohio State excited. They rushed the court. Caitlin Clark is leaving the uh, court. Another fan. Neither one had their head on a slivel, swivel like Fred Lynn did not when Morgana kissed him. And it was... Uh, a holes over tea kettle, and they both crashed to the floor. And there was some concern about Caitlin Clark to give a speech after the game, and the Ohio State AD apologized. And it brings to light, right? This was always this was sort of a time-tested tradition that people love. Coach K always hated it. Boy, you want to hear someone get on and preach when people rush the court? He hated it. He let everybody know about it. And I get it. Uh, I mean, there are multiple cases in the last. Fifty years. In 1983, in a game between Yale and Harvard, everybody rushed the field. A goal a, a goal post was knocked over, hit a young lady in the head by the name of Margaret Cimino. It, people were climbing up the goal, uh, the goal post, and it snapped. She suffered a massive head injury, including a fractured skull and brain damage. Um, many years later, Washington State played University of Washington. Several fans were injured by goalposts when they were toppled. I remember when I was in Michigan in the early 90s, University of Wisconsin, I bet you Dan Byer remembers this. They beat University of Michigan. 70 fans were injured after rushing the field. It's also prevalent in college basketball. In 2004, the University of Georgia played Florida. A Georgia fan rushed down to the court, took a swing at a Florida player and a couple years ago a big brawl broke out at utah valley state versus new mexico state when utah students rushed the court they just started throwing punches at a new mexico state player i tell you what you want to see real tragedy back in 2005 a university of minnesota moore student died from head trauma when a goal post fell on him when they rushed the field so why do fans do it i understand there's lots of reasons. They get caught up in the excitement of a win, makes them feel like they're part of the team. Uh, they're not just a spectator sitting up in the nosebleed section. Fans get the chance to get down and see players up close, see the action up close. They, they simply just want to be physically part of it. They've been living vicariously through it. In some cases, it used to be tradition. Sometimes it's peer pressure. You know, uh, one, one particular comedian called it the sports center syndrome. People want to see themselves on TV, maybe. But here's the thing: when when fans enter the court or the field, all of a sudden you get institutions involved, you get schools involved, you get conferences involved, and they have to start thinking about the risk that goes along with it. What if Caitlin Clark had gotten a broken bone or something, missed the whole year? I don't know. Thank God it didn't happen. I don't want to create problems that don't exist and try to solve them. But I will tell you this: the SEC wasted no time last year in. Unveiling brand new court and field storming policies, and if you are the, if you are a school and it's a first offense, and your fans rush the field, that's a hundred thousand dollar fine. The second time it happens, it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. The third, it's a five hundred thousand dollar fine, and that's ten times more than they used to be. And all these, all SEC institutions will started with a clean slate this past year. But they define storming the field or the court as when the visiting team and or game officials are still on the playing surface and you enter the field or the court. So I want to hear from the folks. Is it tradition? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Is it stupid? What might have happened if Caitlin Clark got hurt? And also, look, don't underestimate how interesting and provocative and entertaining the Jim Harbaugh era is going to be. In Los Angeles will he win will he get the Chargers to their first Super Bowl since 1995 what are your thoughts the midnight hour your chance to be the star 877 on Fox 877-996-6369 Shea will take your calls we'll also get the crew involved in the discussion as well rushing the court and field yes or no also Jim Harbaugh will he win in Los Angeles Keep it locked right here. You listen to the Bernie Fratto show on Fox Sports Radio. That's right, you heard the man. The Bernie Fratto show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio, TireAct.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireAct.com. the way tire buying should be. 877-996-6369. 877 99 on Fox for the next hour. The phone lines will remain open. We want to hear from you. Two topics tonight. Will Jim Harbaugh get the Chargers to the Super Bowl? And what are your thoughts on rushing the court, rushing the field? You saw what happened to Caitlin Clark last week. That's why we call this segment every week The Midnight Hour. hour.
11: It starts right now,
3: The Midnight Hour. Is ready to take your calls, and we begin. Let's go to Kansas City. Stephen from Kansas City starts us off tonight. Stephen, good evening. How are you?
12: Hey, Bernie. How's it going, buddy?
3: Good, um, good, sir.
12: I, I, uh, to answer your question, I think Har- it may take Harbaugh a while, but he 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 definitely could do it. Uh, I mean, the bar the bar is pretty high in that division. I think a lot of people are going to be stunned. Uh, tomorrow, uh, with the uh, the ability for Steve Spagnolo to shut down Lamar Lamar Jackson, who is his Kryptonite, and kind of make him make those throws under pressure. He's never really done it under pressure before. I know the narrative is, "Oh, this is when Lamar Jackson is finally going to establish himself as a superstar." Well, I don't think he can do it under pressure. I think the Chiefs will will win this game, and I also think that. Uh, your Lions may have a shot if Debo Samuel doesn't play a lot of plays. Otherwise, I'd definitely take the 49ers to, to cover. But I think the sh- the shocking thing is Lamar Jackson is going to revert to his form, to previous form. It may not be because of his ability. It's just because of, of uh, Spags being able to handcuff him.
3: What, I think Lamar's you- got the most pressure of all the four quarterbacks by a mile. Uh, thoughts on rushing the court, rushing the field, or no? Is Steven still there? Is he gone? Okay. Let's move along. Poppy! Poppy from San Diego. What's happening,
13: Poppy? Hey, Bernie, how's it going? Just good right here. You know, as I told you guys last time with Jim Harvaugh, predicted it before it came out to news. Yeah, and he did. Uh, yeah, he's a charger now.
3: Yeah, you were you were pretty fired up by the last, last Friday. He'll give you your flowers. So uh, is he going to get him to a Super Bowl? Thoughts? Yeah,
13: you. You know what? He is gonna take him to the playoffs, my prediction. Yeah, he is gonna take him to the playoffs and he is gonna get him a super bowl. He's gonna break that curse from San Diego. You know, when they went to the Super Bowl and they lost like, against the 49ers, they're gonna break that curse and that's why the reason why he went to the NFL he wants like he wants a challenge. He already got that with Michigan, got him a national championship and now it's like he wants to build up the chargers and he had the former quarterback for the chargers where he finished his career and yeah he's gonna get him a, a championship and i also wanted to tell you bernie about um you know another coach from one coach to another where's bill belichick gonna go and uh you know i don't think
3: i, I, thought, I don't think he's gonna have a job this year I, I think it fizzled in atlanta and that was his best
13: shot oh uh, okay bernie yeah you're i think you're right he'll take a year off and, and um you know let it rest and see where he's going to go and play out the cards. But, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, he's going to take the Chargers to the Super Bowl. People are very happy, Bernie. And the people storming the the court on the yeah. I, uh, Iowa, uh, I think he, he was just flopping. Should it change? Yes, it's dangerous. But, um, yeah, maybe this is going to be a step for the next direction, uh, changing fans storming the court, Bernie.
3: So more than we, so you do think Kalen Clark had a little bit of an acting flop there, huh?
13: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I think she flopped, and she did it on hmm. purpose. And okay. You know, like in football, when you tackle someone, it seems like she was trying to uh, tackle that fan. That's what at least I saw, Bernie. She tried to do do like a, I a Ray Lewis.
3: <laughs> Ray Lewis. All right, Poppy. Don't forget to watch that press conference Thursday. Harbaugh will put on a show one way or another, believe me, uh, whether he intends to or not. 877-996-6369. Will Harbaugh get the Chargers to a Super Bowl? And what do you think about rushing the court? rushing the field. I, I will say this about Harbaugh. It'll be a bit of a bumpy-ass ride. don't think it's going to be easy. Don't, it, it, it never is. Uh, it may take him two, three, four years. I, I don't know if he will. And As far as rushing the field, Frank, frankly, from at salary cap sports tweets in, you want to stop rushing the court slash field? easy. First time, $500,000 fine. Second time, forfeit the game. Assuming the offenders won, if not a million-dollar fine, $100,000 a joke. Uh, he, I'm sure he's responding to uh, the SEC and their, and their punishments. And so, look, I, I, think, it's, I think it's an issue. Ke, let's, let's go to the chef. Kevin Wyatt, first of all, uh, you're there in the belly of the beast in Los Angeles. Do you believe Jim Harbaugh will get it done in, in Chargerville? You, you always got to stop short from saying San Diego, even though they've been gone six years. Does he get them to a Super Bowl, yes or no?
11: I mean, I don't see why you don't think he would because he's had success just about everywhere he's gone... I mean I think he had one bad season during the COVID shortened one in Michigan but otherwise it's been a winning record there he of course went to three straight NFC championship games with the 49ers including a Super Bowl when he was at Stanford he led them to the best seasons they had had in their school history coach Andrew Luck into the quarterback that he became and even going back to his early FCS days at San Diego he won there at a school that traditionally uh, doesn't win a whole lot so just uh, with the track record he has I I have no reason to believe that he he can't get uh, the Chargers to a Super Bowl. Fair. And the important thing that he's done, though, is he's made the Chargers a lot more relevant in this market because the Rams, they came a year earlier. They won, they've been to two Super Bowls. They've won one. L.A.'s a town that's all about winners, all about the stars. And the Rams, since the return to N- uh, L.A., since the NFL returned to L.A., uh, the Rams have really owned that. But now the Chargers, they have a good roster. You're right. You're right. This is a good this roster. Is
3: a, this is a banger hire because they're Distant fifth behind the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Rams. Hell. You know, and, and, and it, it, this is the type of marquee hire that, that they really need. Let's go back out to the phones. Nick from Minnesota, your thoughts on tonight's subjects. Are you there, Nick? Do we have Nick from Minnesota or do we have Marcel Marceau? Last time, Nick, are you there? Going once? Yeah, are you Nick? Is this Nick? Bernie. Is this Nick? This is Nick. Okay, you're on you're on the air, big fella. Go ahead.
14: Absolutely no.
3: We are having an issue here. Uh is it a, a phone issue, Shay, you think? Is that what's going on? Vikings. So. We're getting you know what, Nick, do me a favor, buddy. If you can hear, call back. Uh, this isn't working. I definitely want to give you your airtime. But this isn't working. Sit tight, call back to Shay. Shay let him know what's going on. Let's go to Scott. Not sure where Scott is from, but Scott, you're up next. Uh, what are your thoughts on tonight's subjects?
15: Hi, Bernie. How you doing? Well. Good. Uh, so the greatest uh what's the stadium story is when they took the goalpost down in Foxborough Stadium and carried him out of the stadium, oh, out with him, and everybody got electrocuted. <laughs> Nobody died, so it's not a sad story. But you, know, you know, you
3: never see it in the NFL anymore, Scott. That's an interesting point. That used to happen. And, and, I know. And, How
15: do you get out hey, of the
3: stadium? Hang on, the, the, hang stadium. on the line there. Remember, remember when the 77, Reggie hit the three home runs? He had that great broken field run. Remember Hank Aaron rounding third base and two guys patting him on the back? This is crazy. Anyway, go ahead, Scott.
15: I'm just saying, you know, when you can tear the goalposts on a Bowl stadium, get them out of the stadium, and run down Route One with them, and then you get electrocuted because they hit the uh, high tension lines. I know. That's that story's got to be forty years
3: old, but but you're not right. I'm
15: just saying, when you talk about uh, people rushing the field, I'm telling doesn't get any better than that. All right, thanks for check
3: Thanks for checking in, Scott. I appreciate it, buddy. I'm uh, trying to. Get, I want to get everybody in here. Uh, Shaded Nick from Minnesota, call back or no, no. Okay, thanks, buddy. Let's go out to Maine. Bruce from Maine. Good evening. Good morning. How are you?
14: Good morning. How are you, sir?
3: Doing, doing just fine. What are your thoughts?
14: I'm a longtime San Diego Chargers fan, Padres fan, for being in the Marines down there. And I think he could take him to Super Bowl. It might take two or three years, but right. Justin Herbert and Jim Harbaugh will get there.
3: Yeah, I I, I have a feeling they're, they're going to make it. He's got a five-year deal. Uh, uh, any thoughts, Bruce, on uh, on rushing the court, rushing the field? Is it something? Yeah,
14: I, I think uh, people are online when they do that. There's a reason you're in the stands, and there's a reason they're on the field. Fair. You're just not good enough to get on the field. Well, I just think it just people get hurt. It just it just opens up so many Pandora boxes. It's just scary.
3: Hey, well, in this litigious society we're in. But finally, Bruce, thank you for your service, and All I know right, that thanks. know that area in San Diego well, Camp Pendleton. Uh, Kurt from California, where you been? That's where you been. All right. If we get Kurt back, are you there, Kurt? Yeah. Oh, okay. My bad, Kurt. How you doing?
14: Uh, hanging in there, Burn. How about yourself?
3: Doing just well, my friend. What are your thoughts on the uh, subjects tonight?
14: Harbaugh, I think, is going to a wild card first year. Okay. I'd like to, I'd like to see him get quorum, so that he could be in the backfield with Eckler. I'd like to see him draft Zach, that left tackle that broke his leg in the Ohio State game. Yep. And I would even bring McCarthy on so that this way he could learn uh, behind the quarterback that's the starting quarterback now.
3: Well, the one thing I think you'll see in his aggressive physical defense, and they'll be solid in all three phases. Uh, and you, it, could, it would not surprise me if they got to a wild card year one. Remember, they're just two years removed last year oh, from from, 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 getting, from having a 27 nothing lead in Jacksonville. Go ahead.
14: Well, I was going to say, you know, it was week 4 when they lost Williams that they kind of, you know, started going into a tailspin because they lost one of their ones. When you have Allen on one side and Williams on the other, you got two ones. And now you lose a one and that makes defenses, you know, there's more double coverage on Allen and it and you know, they kind of their offense kind of started to sputter from there.
3: Yeah, any thoughts then, on
14: rushing the field? Uh, rushing the field, you know, did to SMU, where it was like a, it was a real harsh penalty. An SMU football game or basketball? No, the SMU team, football team.
3: Well, that, they, the, the, that. they got the death penalty, but I, I, does that correlate to rushing the field? Or I must be missing something here.
14: Well, here's what I'm saying: is that the penalty has to be harsh, not just money. You rush the you rush the court, and you put people in a bad situation where they could get hurt. Uh, you get suspended. Your team cannot make the playoffs. They can't go to the tournament. That's it. And I think that that would stop it.
3: Kurt, did you see the did you see the footage with Caitlin Clark Saturday? Well, I think- you no, did not? I didn't. Okay, all right, good stuff, Kurt. And let's not forget—I think you had Michigan beating Alabama, and uh, I didn't. So we'll see you next week, Kurt. Uh, did, uh, Shay, did Nick from Minnesota ever check back in? All right, pal. All right, uh, we'll continue this eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine, and I certainly also want to hear from from Shay. And Mark Ramsey, we'll get to that coming up. And uh, we did get a chance to get Kevin thoughts on rushing the field. These are, real, these are real topics here. The Chargers did not hire Jim Harbaugh to be an also-ran. This, this was a, a marquee hire. The Chargers moved to Los Angeles, showed up uninvited, played in that goofy soccer stadium. They haven't had a home game in six years, because if you ever go to Los Angeles, you think you're at a road game. Well, this is the number two media market, and the league's tired of it. And there's not a dot in my mind. to give Steve Hartman a lot of credit for pointing this out. He came on the show about three, four weeks ago, the night after Brandon Staley was fired after that Thursday night debacle and made no bones about the fact that the Chargers apparently have not ever paid their $600,000 relocation fee. And the league is uh, was, I think, influential in, in telling the Spanos family, I think we've had enough with Mr. Staley. You better start to take this. Seriously. So, these are real things. Uh, Gil in San Diego, Nick in Minnesota, sit tight. We're going to be right with you. I'm Bernie Frato coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back at the Bernie Friday Show, coming to you live from the Tirec.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio back out to the phone lines. Gil in San Diego. Gilbert in San Diego, you're up next. What are your thoughts, buddy? Hola, ¿cómo estás, Bernie? Muy, muy bien, ¿y tú?
16: Excelente, Bernie, excelente. Yes. Uh, listen, I wanted to start with the thing about storming the court. I think sure. they should take a page out of the ACC. they they cannot do that I mean these are young kids they're focusing on playing whether they win or lose whatever but they have to stop doing that because like you said somebody's going to get hurt especially when the women are playing that's what I think
3: yeah and there's plenty of examples going back 40 years where people have gotten actually seriously hurt now I know you're in San Diego I gotta believe you're a Chargers fan at some point does Harbaugh get him to the Super Bowl
16: no, Bernie, I never was a Charger fan, okay? Oh! <laughs> I mean, I-, I went to the game, but I was not rooting for them. Okay. But I'm going to put it to you this way. How many years did
3: it take Harbaugh to beat Ohio State at Michigan? Yeah, see, that, uh, that's an excellent point, Gil. Thanks for checking in. Appreciate you every Friday night. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. You got so something that's else? It.
16: That's, that's right. seven years, right? He, he well, five.
3: It took. He, he started out zero and five, and and you know uh, Kevin talked about his record. And he's right. But Harbaugh was brought to Michigan to do three things: beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, and get to the playoff. And it took a long time to get there, which is why I believe that it'll take him. It's not going to be overnight with the Chargers. Uh, but Gil, you got the last word. Are you still there?
16: Yes. Yes. Uh, well, the thing is this: they should have given him a ten-year contract because in the first five years. They're gonna be in Cap Hill for the next three years and those are the prime years for Herbert. They're gonna go oh, that's a good I mean, point. The league the league has changed and they're missing a key piece that nobody has mentioned. They're missing Telesco. He is the one that brought the talent players that's true. into the Chargers. That's true. And they don't have they don't have that anymore. So we'll see how they pick. But I, I wish the best for Harbour, although I think he won the raffle of the tiger, and there's no cage, or he's in the cage with the tiger. Good luck to him. Okay.
3: Fair enough. I, I look. I, I don't want this to come out wrong, but after five years, Harbaugh will have pissed a lot of people off. Just wait. I don't. I don't. He. He's the complete package. I described it in my my opening commentary. Nick in Minnesota, you're back with us. Hopefully, we got your phone issue solved. Are you there, Nick? Yes. Yes, sir. How you doing, Bernie? Good, good. You got the floor.
15: Uh, I don't think anybody should rush the floor. That's nonsense.
17: Yeah. If you're going to rush the floor at the end of the game, you might as well do it at halftime if your team's
3: up. <laughs> you might get arrested. Uh, thoughts on Harbaugh? Will he get the Chargers to the promised land? He will get them there, and the Vikings will beat them. Got You know, the Vikings, Bills, Lions, you'd like to see one time the sports gods, right? Cleveland Browns. All right, Nick, appreciate you checking in, man. Thank you. Uh, back to the Lions. Uh, Greg in Michigan, you're up next. What are your thoughts on tonight's subjects?
18: Well, how you doing, know, Bernie? Uh, first of all, I'm not a Michigan fan by no means, so that means I didn't like Harbaugh while he was there. But uh, Harbaugh is a, is a great coach, there's no doubt. But um, it's going to be hard. It, you have to get just like the Lions did you have to get to a couple of years of great quality draft picks and you build from there. And uh, they were talking about a little similarity between the Lions and the 49ers, like with their up front strength, a defensive end rusher, a great tight end, and those kind of things you build in that area. And the Lions are doing a great job in that department. And you got to go through the draft, you know, and that's how you build. And the Lions did a good job there. And if Harbaugh can do that, because you he, he get the people that are getting old now on him. But you have to build hard through that draft, it's going to help.
3: There's no question. Uh, that's the basis of formulating your NFL roster. Look how well the Lions have drafted. Uh, thoughts on rushing the court, rushing floor, well, the floor, rushing the field?
18: I can see, see the excitement of all that, but how do you stop it? You know, you can find it. Security. Yeah, you. security oh, and warnings I, and penalties. Go the ahead. The thing is, do, do you see the fans care? The kids, the kids don't care what the university gets – you're going to charge the floor. See, that's Sometimes a good point. Get expelled. That's a good point. If you get enough video cameras, stay on people, where you can nail a few of those people on the floor and actually expel them from the university, there's no repercussion for any individual doing it. So the university, got to pay, but the, the, the students will still do it.
3: Yeah, the students will still do it because you got to remember, most of them have been hooked up to a blender since 8 o'clock this morning, if you get my drift. <laughs> I think a lot of these people. All right. Hey, what part of Michigan are you calling from, Greg? I'm from the upper
18: Peninsula of Michigan. The UP Uper. I love
3: it. I love from it.
18: Michigan University. Oh, the, hey. Good to see
3: Steve Mariucci went. Tom Izzo. I played against those guys in high school. What high school did you go to? Ligani High School. Sure, sure. They used to, make their, way. They used to make their way to the Silver Dome and Ford Field all the time. We've been down to the state finals
18: in football last year in Ford Field.
3: Yep, I know. My son played high school football. Look, it's one of the great traditions. Thanksgiving weekend. All right, Greg, don't be a stranger. Appreciate you checking in. Back out to the okay. phones, Chris in Dallas. You're up next. Uh, I'm sure you've been following along on tonight's subject matter. What are your thoughts?
12: Absolutely. How you doing, Bernie? Doing Just
3: well. Just want to Thank comment you. on
12: on the uh, the storm in the court deal. The thing okay. with me about that is, when you rush the court or rush the field, what you're telling people is. We're inferior. We were playing a team we didn't feel like we had any business being on the field or the court with. We didn't expect to win this game. And we have to go to these lengths to celebrate because we don't feel like we belong with this, with these guys. And it's just ridiculous from that perspective to rush the court because, I mean, you're just advertising the fact that we don't feel like we belong.
3: That's one uh, angle, or could it be? I mean, I did UNLV pre and post for seven years here on ESPN 1100. And back in December 2014, I remember when UNLV beat number two ranked Arizona at the time, and the fans stormed the court, and it was spontaneous combustion. And I, I got—I didn't storm the court. I was, you know, in my in my little cubbyhole. But the point of the matter is, is that I'm like, oh, this i, I got caught up in it myself, just watching it. But uh, thoughts on Harbaugh? Uh, I guess I, I guess the thought process there was, see, they didn't think we could do it, we did it, that type of thing. But you're you're not wrong. Uh, yeah. be, be, you know, so uh, anyway, uh, thoughts on Harbaugh and the Los Angeles Chargers?
12: Well, I mean, it's not like it is in college where you get to go out and recruit your own players and get bring your own guys into the system. It's, you have to cooperate with management, with the GM, with the draft. If they can get him guys that will fit his system, then yes, he can get them there. It depends on how well they'll
3: cooperate with him. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That was certainly... A major, not sticking point, but a major point of negotiation was Harbaugh's staff and philosophy and draft philosophy. I'm thinking they're going to hire a GM by the name of Ed Dodds, who came from, but I don't know for sure, from, from Indianapolis, they have history. All right, thanks for checking in, Chris. 877 fox We're going to continue the midnight hour through 1 o'clock, and I want to hear from the crew as well. But first, uh, let's go back uh, to our guy, the chef, Kevin Wyatt, with the latest.
11: Yeah, a couple of big performances in the NBA on Friday night. First down in Atlanta, Luka Doncic, a game for the ages. The fourth most points scored in a single game in NBA history. 73 for Luka. He also had 10 rebounds, 7 assists. The Mavericks would need most of that as it was just a 5-point margin of victory. 148-143, the Mavericks win it. Devin Booker also with a huge game on Friday, but the Suns would fall to the Pacers, 133-131. Indiana outscoring Phoenix by 11 in that pivotal fourth quarter. Devin Booker, for his part, though, had 62 points. Other NBA action, Rockets over the Hornets, 138-104. Clippers pound the Raptors, 127-107. Grizzlies edge to the Magic, 107-106. Big game in Milwaukee as the Cavaliers win it against the Bucks 112 100. ESPN is saying that Doc Rivers expected to make his coaching debut on Monday. Thunder over the Pelicans 107 83. S.J. Gildas Alexander had 31 points for Oklahoma City, and the Spurs get just their ninth win of the season 116 100 in a battle of bottom feeders against the Portland Trailblazers. College Hoops, only one ranked team in action on Friday. Number 13, Wisconsin, 81-66 winners against Michigan State, as A.J. Storr had 28 points. NFL news, Debo Samuel, he had to leave the game against Green Bay in the divisional round, but he will play in Sunday's NFC Championship game against the Detroit Lions. He practiced for the second straight day today and does not have an injury designation. Not-so-good news for the Detroit Lions. Jonah Jackson, Khalif Raymond ruled out for Sunday's game. Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco, Kadarius Toney, they're listed as questionable for the AFC Championship game against the Ravens. Joe Thune has been ruled out. And in the college ranks, Michigan promoting Sharon Moore to head coach, and they give him a reported five-year contract replacing Jim Harbaugh. He won a perfect 4-0 as a filling coach while Harbaugh served uh, his suspensions this past season. Back to you, Bernie. All
3: right, thanks, Chef. Freaking Luka Doncic, 41 points in the first half tonight. Does does anybody play defense in the NBA anymore? Sure doesn't uh, look like it. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh, will he lead the Chargers to the promised land? And what are your thoughts on storming the court, storming the field? You saw what happened with Caitlin Clark in Ohio State last weekend. Let's go back out to the phones. We're joined by... Marcel in Kansas City. Marcel, you're up next. Your thoughts?
15: Hey, Bernie. Uh, love your show. listen to you every weekend. Uh, well, first thing, uh, I have no faith in anything that the uh, San Diego Los Angeles uh, Chargers do. I've been here for 30 years, how good they are, blah, blah, blah. One Super Bowl, they looked like crap in that one. Every year, everybody picks them to, to, beat, to win the AFC West, and especially since we've gotten Andy here, they've got the better time. Now that they got this, Jim Harbaugh, you just went to a place they can't get the sunrise right. So good luck, and maybe he can do something. But I, I doubt it very seriously. my Mahomes ain't going nowhere. Let's just get that straight. Two good points. And, Hold know, that thought.
3: Stay, stay right there, Marcel. Stay on the line. You okay. bring an interesting dynamic. The expectations around the Chargers have been there forever, from Dan Faust to Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers. Now, you're not kidding. And, home, you know, Mahomes and, and Reed aren't going anywhere. So, I, I, you know, maybe the Raiders are improved. We'll see. What, uh, to your point, you're right. They are always juxtaposed against their expectations. They always manage to fall short. I think it's, it's an excellent point. Uh, any thoughts on rushing the court, rushing the field?
15: Well, actually, yes. I used to be a supervisor for the uh, the company that did the um, the uh, uh, security, at the event security at the Kemper Arena here in Kansas City. And so every year we did the men's Big 8, Big 12 tournaments during the 10 years I was there. And one of the stables that the Big 12 liked was the fact that we never lost the court. But I will tell you that was in conjunction with the Big 12 telling us they did not want us to lose the court. And during of the year you worked, uh, I think it was like four years before I got there, they had worked out a process because they did lose the court, I think, when Danny Manning won it with the KU there. And 1988, FB. Larry Brown, yeah. They did not like the, uh, the view of it and what could have happened, so they took it within themselves and us as a company. We did it, and I can say for the 10 years that I was there as one of the supervisors, we never lost the court, and for us, it was all about Not the students, not anyone, other than just simply public safety. It's just not a safe thing to do. And, you know, you don't want to change the rule after somebody's gotten hurt. I mean, it's cool to do it afterwards because you need to, but it's even better. You know, nothing beats uh, uh, just an ounce of prevention.
3: Well said. All right, thanks, Marcel. Appreciate good stuff on both subjects. Back out to the phone lines. Manuel in Gardena, California, you're up next. What do we got tonight, buddy?
17: Hey, Burn, baby, Burn. How's it going? Uh, Doing well. How are you, Manuel? I'm always well, thankfully. So um, I'm a fan of the real L.A. team, which is the Raiders, okay? <laughs> and kind of like the guy that just called in a while ago, this is not new hype around the Chargers. True. They've had – they Air Coriel. That's a Hall of Fame coach that was with Dan Fouts, a Hall of Fame quarterback. That was 40 years ago. They have always had better talent at QB than us, other than the Jim Plunkett era, pretty much. They've always had, you know, supposedly more stacked teams. And yet, what have they won? Same thing as John Kennedy's pops, Jack. They haven't (laughs) won a damn thing. So, you know... Harbaugh obviously has to be respected. He's a great coach. He's proven it on the NFL and the NC2A level. But I'll tell you this right now, Bernie. The best hire in this coaching carousel uh, was one David Canales.
3: Oh,
5: yeah. And he's a Can- Can- Carolina. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah.
17: You know what? That guy is anointed. I tell you this. I know him personally. I know his family. It's good a good offensive coordinator. A God-fearing family, yes. pastors, and he. But a football family. Carson Colts. The uh, Carson Colts have been a powerhouse. Like the. Wait a minute. He went to Carson for years.
3: Oh yeah, he was. He was. D- a dude, kid. I'm from. I went to high school in Orange County. I remember back in the day, those were, Carson and Gardena. Man, when they got together, that was a war. Oh yeah. So I went to Gardena. So
17: I, I don't like Carson, but. You I respect love him. The Canales family. Wow, and I love David. He's a student of the game. He's always been since he was a kid. So that guy is great, destined for greatness. And um, second, yeah. higher is not even uh, our guy Harbaugh.
3: It's what a- with team. Canales. Had, I he saw. was on my mind too, Manuel. He did a hell of a job against the Lions. He put up over four hundred thirty yards, and he he created a scheme that really allowed Baker Mayfield to flourish.
17: Well, didn't you notice too? He's balanced. Like the other week, the last week, he mixed in the run a lot more. I'm telling you, he's a student of the game. He's also he's got a brother-in-law that played uh, for the era, the Arizona Rattlers in the uh, in the football league, the Arena Football League. They, it's nothing. They, those guys know two things: the Canales. They know football and they know Christ. So, I mean, I, I'm just happy for him, and I know he's going to be a great coach. I think he will win a Super Bowl probably before Harbaugh and uh, don't rule out AP man Antonio Pierce we saw it yeah I man. agree that guy transformed the yep. Raiders and Raider Nation Trust loves him. hey keep up the good work Bernie
3: hey, great, great great call man. Well, and I gotta tell you Dave Canales he was the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay this year and especially last seven eight weeks down the stretch when Tampa Bay went six and one And then they knocked off – they they won their opening round playoff game uh, against Philadelphia. He really made a a name for himself. And he did have a very balanced attack against Detroit. They ran for almost 100 yards, threw for 349. They were very much in that game. You know, there was a drop pass early. Mike Evans popped into an interception. They dropped an interception in the end zone, missed a field goal. The Tampa Bay Bucs outgained the Lions last week. And by the way, the Lions were also outgained by the Rams the week before. Those are not heartwarming stats heading into this tussle uh, Sunday against the 49ers. I'm going to break that down as we get past uh, the top of the hour. Still time to get in as we close up the midnight hour. Caller's great as usual, 877-99 on Fox, 877 uh, 996 Real quickly, Shay, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I know you're not necessarily a Chargers fan, but I know you'll have a good opinion uh thoughts on whether or not harbaugh is going to get it done because uh manuel brought up a lot of good points and and the caller before too uh i believe it was uh, marcel there's always expectations around the chargers and we're not so sure if harbaugh can crack the code your thoughts
19: i mean there's expectations around every team there's expectations around the browns and they never won a super bowl you know what i mean so it's like i mean as a browns fan too like i'm i'm used to going in super happy about a season over the smallest things this is something that Charger fans should be excited for, and this is something that I definitely could see a Super Bowl happening. Where, I mean, he's going to do a complete culture change. Like, yes. even if they don't win a Super Bowl, like, it's going to be something that's exciting. It's going to be something that's revitalizing. It's going to be something that's—it's not demotivating to be a Charger fan anymore. You know what I mean? It's this is going to be an exciting season for them, and I mean, it, he's going to have a long time there. I, I think he's going to have a lot of resources, and he's going to have a lot of power. It seems like there. So I mean, yeah, of course. Like if 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 he is who he says he is, and and he's able to do what he and replicate what he's been doing at Michigan and for the Chargers, I I definitely see a Super Bowl um in the in the Bolts future. But um, yeah, it's again you can't really tell these things like with the Browns. I mean. <laughs> That we were supposed to be easily, and we ended up having Joe Flacco as our quarterback. So like, th- th- things happen throughout a year, and things. He did a pretty good job for you. <laughs> no, he did an amazing job. Don't get well, me wrong. You know, the
3: thing is, and I've spent a lot of time in both cities, and, and you're right. Every city should have expectations, but in Cleveland, they're more humble about it. They, for the folks who have been around, either in you know the San Diego Chargers and the, just the history of the franchise, they always have beat their chest a little bit, and I don't. You know, Browns fans don't necessarily do that. I think maybe that's the qualitative difference. Shay.
19: I, I think you're right too. I mean, we have nothing to beat our chests about. You know what I mean? And like, I'm, I I know Chargers fans do have a few things to beat their chests about, but I mean, in the end, it's we haven't won a Super Bowl, or neither of us have won a Super Bowl in a very very yep. long time. So, it's it's uh it's a, it's a very similar case. I think.
3: Good stuff coming up. Uh, we'll take more of your calls eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Harbaugh Chargers Super Bowl. Rushing the field, rushing the court. You saw what happened to Caitlin Clark. I want to hear Mark's thoughts as well. I'm Bernie Fratto, We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. All right, back on the Bernie Frato Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the com studios here in Las Vegas. Squeezing a few more in the midnight hour. Ryan in Burbank, you're up next. What are your thoughts tonight?
2: Hey, man. Um, so a couple of things for me here uh, as regards to a former, former Charger fan. I grew up in San Diego. Okay. LA. I, I said, I said. I said you're, we're never, we're never cheering for this team again. Um, but here's... Here is my my thing about the Chargers when it comes to the, the Harbaugh hire. First off, Thanos is one of the cheapest owners of all time. Of all time. And the fact that he's doing this deal just shows how desperate he is to do anything in Los Angeles because this team is a complete afterthought in L.A. This is, means nothing to anyone here. Secondly, are we sure, are we confident, that Harbaugh is going to unlock Justin Herbert in the vein of winning. Because in his time during San Francisco, during Stanford, during Michigan, he's run the ball. That's what he does. He's, he's going to do, do that ball
3: there, ball. too. He's, he. It'll be a run-first offense. He wants to take pressure off right. his quarterback, Ryan. And that's my
2: thing, though, is that we're expecting Justin Herbert to have these gaudy stats or gaudy numbers. But I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think no, it's going to be kind of a boring offense for the most part. And I don't, I'm not entirely sure that the fans in L.A. are going to expect what happens. Now, look, winning cures all right. But like a, a previous caller said, there's a guy called Patrick Mahomes in the division. And he is one of, if not, we're talking a top three quarterback all time. And with a coach still, we don't know what's going to happen with Reed after this playoff, you know, run. But with a coach still, and with a team infrastructure still that is one of the best in the NFL, I just,
3: right.
13: I'm
2: not completely bought in on Harbaugh. But we'll see what happens.
3: Good stuff, Ryan. I got to get to these other callers. And look, you made a good point. He's not going to be a stat stuffer under Harbaugh. You'll see a different offense. He wants to take pressure off his quarterback. Andy in Oregon, your thoughts? Oh, hey, how, how's it going, Bernie? Good, sir. Thank you. Hey, you do a hell of a job. Um, Thank
12: you. My thoughts are, uh, you know, Justin Herbert. He's uh, just a hell of a quarterback. And uh, I'm not a Chargers fan, but I'm a Justin Herbert fan. Yes. And I, I think that, uh, you know, so many of their losses just came down to poor coaching. You know, Ben Staley thought he was just the smartest guy in the room. But I think You're if it was right. hardball, they're going to win so many more games because he's not going to make all these terrible decisions. But I think that – uh Justin Herbert, you know, now that he's got a good coach that had some experience, even though they're going to be running the ball a lot more, he's still going to be able to develop him because, you know, I'm a quarterback and all that. And so I think he's going to be great. And so uh, and as far as, like, charging the the courts or the fields, I think it's only appropriate when you win a championship, you know. There still needs to be, like, player safety taken into account.
3: Yeah, good point. Both good points, Andy. Don't be a stranger. Uh, let's get one more in here. Kyle, here in Las Vegas, uh, what are your observations on this whole situation?
15: Well, I'm going to be honest. That live guy, Ryan, I don't know what he's talking about. Harbaugh comes from an old-school era of football where it's That's running right. first, pass second, and you got to be able to play that late in the season. So if you don't understand that, my brother... You just don't understand football. Number two, the storming of the court and all that stuff in today's age needs to stop. Player safety is very important. These kids are already getting hurt from slipping and falling on the court, on their own accord. You have bad, uh, dietric- bad nutritionists and stuff already as it is. So give them the room to operate. Once they're off the court, the players are off the court, and the kids want to storm the court afterwards, so be it. But let the players play. Let them get off the court. Let them get back to their family safe. And let these other guys Guys, the drunk kids and you know the party animals have that fun on the court afterwards
3: all right thanks for checking in again kyle uh, don't be a stranger i appreciate a couple of good observations and you are right listen when jim harbaugh told bo schembeckler back in 1987 coach i'm going to be a head coach someday and coach schembeckler said jim promise me you'll have a fullback Look, football is blocking and tackling. The rest is details. I don't care what type of offense you run, what type of scheme you run. And you have to be multidimensional. You have to be able to run the ball and throw the ball. And Sometimes the run sets up the pass. The key to Harbaugh is he de-emphasizes the quarterback because through the running game, he creates a balanced offense and solid defense in playing complementary football. That's what you're going to see. So will they win? Well, we'll find out. It might not be overnight, and Harbaugh's going to ruffle some feathers, but he's done it before. We'll see if he can do it again. Coming up, let's look ahead to the weekend. we got some pretty good football games. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. That's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrack.com studios here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com. We'll help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, we're down to four teams. Very suspenseful week into divisional round games last week in the National Football League. And one thing that has caught my eye, the quarterback matchups. You're going to get a public game Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson in the AFC title game. And you you, you know, fasten your seatbelts for that one. But but how about the NFC game? You've got Mr. Irrelevant, the last player picked at quarterback, versus a guy who was picked number one overall in Jared Goff. The Lions, they got a fight from Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay. And uh, like the earlier caller, Manuel, said, Dave Canales, he's a name you'll start to hear more about. He's going to inherit uh, Carolinas and, and Bryce Young, who I absolutely know can play, just give him time. That's a story for a different day. We're going to look ahead to these matchups Sunday, and I'm going to give you my thoughts. And uh, Look, let me just give you a little tease. I like both home teams, but I'll, and I'll tell you why in a bit. Uh, but a lot of times, as we've done throughout the season, and there's only three games left in the entire National Football League season, and, you know, you'll go into your mild depression for six months. But, you know, we got March Madness around the corner. There's always be something. I like to take a quick look back because sometimes looking back gives us a window as to where we're headed. And I want to start with the Baltimore Ravens. If you watched their game last week, they got off to a very slow start. Was it rust? Was it rest? Whatever. But finally, Lamar Jackson and crew, they, they settled in. They took control in the second half. They put the Texans away 34-10. to 10. And you have to give their – Offensive coordinator, you remember him at Georgia, Todd Mocken. He called a sensational game. D'Amico Ryans, I can't say enough good things about him, but Todd Mocken, as an offensive coordinator, won that chess match. He completely confused D'Amico Ryans' defense with all kinds of run-pass options. Lamar Jackson was on his game. Two of those scenarios occurred. The Ravens had a 93-yard touchdown drive, 12 plays. That took the 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. That was game-set match even designed run plays. Jackson ran to his left for a 14-yard gain on fourth and one. You remember that? A few plays later, Jackson completely fooled the Texans into thinking he was going to run a quarterback sweep to his right, but he threw that floater over the middle to Isaiah, likely for a touchdown. Jackson rushes for 100 yards, throws for a buck 52, was responsible for four touchdowns. Overall, the Ravens had a very balanced attack, and if Jackson's not running the ball, you got Gus Edwards, Justin Hill, and Dalvin Cook that's going to be a load for the Chiefs. So, looking back, the Ravens in the second half very much looked like uh, they have settled in. And one thing to know, when the Ravens got the lead, Mike McDonald and the defense they pinned back the rears, and you've got a pretty star-studded unit, and they were able to finally stifle C.J. Stroud, who's been also sensational. Meanwhile, the Niners look. Uh, I, I I I'm tired of hearing about this need to chase kirk cousins you got a guy there brock purdy leave him alone okay all he wins and he makes big time throws when he needs to and we needed to at the end of the game in that game-winning drive to beat the packers 24 21 that's when it mattered most i get it you could characterize what happened to purdy last week as a shaky performance he did miss several throws in the game the game was raining or it was raining the weather you get it it was raining And I think that affected Purdy, but it's going to be dry Sunday, 73, and cloudy. Purdy made up for it, though. When it mattered most, a 12-play, 69-yard drive, six-yard touchdown run from Christian McCaffrey, that gave the 49ers a three-point lead with about a minute to go in the game. And it somewhat, at least temporarily, quieted the negative narrative that Kyle Shanahan can't win games without playing with the lead because that's what the stats show. I know there was great concern that the Niners might have to play the game without Debo Samuel. He's going to play. But remember, they also got Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. This is a formidable team. And San Francisco's defense is not great against the run, but this is where they live. The Lions, now, you're going to hear the name Aaron Glenn. There are two coaching jobs open, Seattle and Washington. And the reason I believe is they haven't made their hire yet is because I believe Aaron Glenn is in the mix for, if not one, both of those jobs, all right? He is, uh, he's done a very good job as the Lions defensive coordinator. And, he, and the Lions maybe statistically haven't been great, but they've made the important plays when they've needed to and the adjustments have been made. It started last year uh, when the Lions were one and six. They made the adjustments. They fired Aubrey Pleasant. Uh, aaron glenn instituted a new uh system they were eight and two last year the lions they're 14 and five this year 22 and seven that doesn't happen without a defense that at least is opportunistic enough to make the plays when it matters most remember baker mayfield was having his way but aaron glenn made an adjustment last week he started to send extra defenders to pressure baker mayfield that resulted in him throwing an interception to Derek Barnes. That sealed the win. So instead of playing a prevent, playing not to lose, he was able to curtail, Aaron Glenn was able to curtail Baker Mayfield's hot streak. And even though Baker Mayfield had 349 yards, he worked for it. He had constant pressure. You saw defensive back blitzes. You saw slot cornerback, uh, you know, pressures, Brian Branch. Safety blitzes, and and, and Aiden Hutchinson had another sensational game, and that's going to be a big matchup Sunday between Aiden Hutchinson. Look, Dan Campbell has been patient with Aaron Glenn the past three seasons, and that communication has allowed that unit to take big strides. And uh, when the Lions were a little sluggish in the first half of the season, that defense was actually in their top 12, top 15, and it settled back to the middle of the pack. But let's also not forget uh, Jared Goff did a hell of a job against Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles' defense Paul, completely stifled Kansas City three years ago in Tom Brady's final Super Bowl win. Todd Bowles doesn't get enough credit for the job he did in Tampa Bay this year. But Goff, he got the better of Todd Bowles' defense. He was able to work the middle of the field to Monroe St. Brown, and Sam Laporta. Those turned into explosive plays. And let's not forget Jameer Gibbs. Everything is advertised. And now that Jamison Williams has become a – route runner, not just a guy that can take off the top of the defense, the Lions are going to be a bundle. But we'll get to that matchup here coming up. Finally, the Chiefs, Uh, it's tough to remember because there was a lot of chaos that occurred in the final quarter versus Buffalo. But once again, it was Patrick Mahomes and his offense. They were the ones left standing. Another road win. I know if you're Buffalo, you're going to look at it as as a game of lost opportunities and it was. Uh, I mean, they caught a break uh, after the, the, they recovered Allen's fumble on the final drive. Buffalo converts on the 4-3, but then they go downhill. They get a new set of downs, a couple of misfires near the end zone, and then, unfortunately, the Tyler Bass 44-yard field goal attempt that was wide right, eerily similar to Scott Norwood back in in Super Bowl XXV. Uh, yeah. Let's face it, Buffalo was inconsistent last week. They failed to execute offensively. The defense really couldn't come over all of its injuries. Stephon Diggs, I don't know, he had a very mediocre season. He he had a very costly drop pass, one of the many failed opportunities. But, here's the big but, Pee Wee. You know, there's an old saying in life, be at the right place at the right time, comma, but you got to do something about it. Well, the Chiefs did. They take advantage of these things. You better bring your A game if you hope to beat them. Even before McColl... Uh, Hardman fumble out of the end zone, the Chiefs' offense, look, they, they kept claiming the lead. And then their dominant defense, which has been pretty dominant this year when it needed to be, they were struggling to contain Josh Allen. It became a fistfight in a phone booth. Josh Allen would take off and run, right? But for some reason, the Bills decided to go away from the running game last week. In the final few minutes, Josh Allen made some questionable decisions downfield, but the Chiefs, they kept the Bills out of the end zone which put the pressure on Tyler Bass. He missed wide right, and there you go. Another terrible, unfortunate chapter in Buffalo Bills history. So it turns out, hey, Patrick Mahomes can win road playoff games, and Travis Kelsey does have plenty left in the tank. Remember, he had five catches last week, 75 yards, two touchdowns. And Kansas City, they lit a fire under Markel, Mar- <laughs> try it again, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Had two catches for more than 30 yards. Give it up to Isaiah Pacheco. That balanced attack and Rasheed Rice. Don't go to sleep on the Chiefs. Now, do I think they're going to beat the Ravens Sunday? No. We'll get to that coming up. I want to give a tip of the cap to the Texans. It was a very remarkable, memorable 2023 season. Ended up in a second rough half, a rough second half in Baltimore. But the fact that they were playing for the opportunity to go to the FC Championship after going 3-13 and last year. They terrible in every statistical category. Bad offensive line, bad defense, you name it. And now all of a sudden their offensive play caller, Bobby Slowick, is becoming a household name. I don't think he'll get an NFL job this year. But add that to D'Amico Ryan's defense and T.J. Stroud, and I think the future is very bright. Will Anderson uh, did not have a great game last week, but look, you get the picture. They're on the rise. I want to give the flowers to Jordan Love. Stellar first season as a starting quarterback. Might have ended on a sour note, but we're going to give him a hall pass. He did the old match Stafford, row right, roll right, roll right, throw across the field against the sea of hands, and the game was picked off. But let me tell you, Jordan Love reached a ceiling that I didn't think he had, and I give a top credit to him. And Jordan Love also did something that neither Aaron Rodgers nor Brett Favre ever did, and that's win a playoff game in his very first season and get to the playoffs by the way not just get to the playoffs but win a playoff game so look joe Barry, who i don't understand how, how he gets jobs in the national football league he was the architect of rod marinelli's own 16 defense back in 2008 i know i was there look they did a good job applying pressure on brock purdy but you know, I, I don't know if Purdy will be back or Barry will be back. I told you earlier, Brandon Staley is interviewing as a defensive coordinator. I don't want to pick on Joe Barry, okay, but facts is facts. Uh, finally, the Buccaneers. I know Baker Mayfield caught plenty of heat for his costly interception in Detroit, but he kept the Bucks in the game despite not a great performance from Tampa Bay's offensive line. They struggled mightily with Pass protection and run blocking, but May- Mayfield, give him credit. Okay, I don't know why this guy's so polarizing. I know why he used to be, but remember, he took over a team in Cleveland that was had been one in thirty-one the prior two years, and within by in his second or third year, he got them to the playoffs, won a playoff game, had Kansas City beat in the fourth quarter, defense couldn't hold it. Went to Carolina. That was a fugazi. Had a little success with the Rams. I think he's found a home in Tampa Bay. A lot of credit goes to Dave Canales, who's leaving. But I think Baker Mayfield's their guy. You know, he made plenty of downfield throws to Mike Evans and Kate Otten. And uh, I think, you know, Dave Canales saw the blitzes. He would he would run counters, traps, screenplays that, that held off the Lions blitzes. And uh, that, that 12-yard touchdown pass to Rashad White to tie the game at 17 was just a brilliant play call. Brilliant play call and brilliantly executed. Uh, Tampa Bay needs some help on the defensive end. They got torched by Jared Goff. They got torched by Jameer Gims. That led to the 14-point you know, uh, margin of victory. So, like I said, I like to look back before we look forward, and now it's time to look forward. I want to talk about the games between the Niners – uh, and, uh, and and the Lions, which is the second game on Sunday. And then, of course, the first game, which is has all kinds of marquee value. Remember, the city of Baltimore hosting a conference championship game for the first time since 1971. Think about that. And meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes saw nothing. Sixth straight AFC championship game. Meanwhile, the Lions, you keep hearing people say, I'm tired of the national network. The Lions haven't won a playoff game since 91. It's actually January 5th, 1992. January 12th, 1992, they played the Redskins and got their butts handed to them, 41-10. to 10. Do I think the Niners game is going to be a 41-10 to beatdown? No, I don't. But here's a tease. I wouldn't rush to lay the 7.5, but if you got the 6.5 or the 7, you should have laid that. Now, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't prevail in Baltimore... Sunday, we'll have a quarterback winning his first Super Bowl, whether it be Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, or Lamar Jackson. Coming up, we're going to take a closer look at those specific matchups. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio every Saturday morning beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific for Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Brian No, Rich Hornberger, betting analyst Jared Smith, They'll have you covered three hours before college kickoffs every Saturday morning. Listen to Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, right here on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, we break down the conference championship games. Get the crew's thoughts as well. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, TireAct.com Studios. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. All right, we're back on the Bernie Frater Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the towerrack.com studios here in Las Vegas. It's time to talk a little NFL uh, championship Sunday at NFC and AFC. I'm going to start with the later game. Kicks off at 6.30 Eastern. Uh, Lions are a 7 to 7.5-point seven underdog at San Francisco, depending on where you shop. Saturday night, uh, Dan Leach will join us. Former compadre at 97.1 in Detroit will join us live from San Francisco. He's making the trip from Detroit. Just a handicap thing to note. uh, There's a strong trend here that's a little bothersome if you are a Lions fan. And I might be a fanboy, but I'm not going to lie to you on national radio. You have a trend going back four years that NFL playoff dog, with a better win percentage. Now remember, the Lions have actually played one more game, so they're fourteen and five, and the Niners are thirteen and five this year. Remember, they had to buy, but that's not split hairs. It's a fact they have a better winning percentage. Well, if they, those dogs who perform that well, but they're getting more than three points, they're only six and two straight up and eleven and sixteen against the spread, going back to nineteen eighty and going back. 25 years in 1996, they're 0-15 straight up and 3-12 against the spread. This Niners team is very scary, uh, more so than they've showed. And when you have a powerhouse team like they are, and this is where they live, by the way, Kyle Shanahan now 5-0 and at home in the playoffs. And the power ratings, if you study power ratings, people I respect have the Niners power rated about 11 points better than than the Detroit Lions. This is not to be smirched the Detroit Lions of what they've done this year. I said the beginning of the year. I think they'll go ten and seven. They'll win their division. Maybe even better, depending on how many playoff games they get at home, was how well they'll do. People have argued with me. People still argue. But you got a hothouse team going outside to the left coast to play outdoors. The Lions haven't done it since October. Typically, they struggle. The hothouse teams struggle on outdoors in the playoffs. But this is what I think we need to watch. And that is very simple, that you've got, a, you've got a pretty good matchup of two extremely physical teams. San Francisco, this is tradition for them. They're making their 19th, that's an NFL record, 19th conference championship game appearance. Meanwhile, Detroit, just their second in the last 32 years. But this still is going to feel like a heavyweight fight. Because both teams are physical. One advantage that the Lions very much have is their run game. They'll face the Niners' run defense, which ranks 25th in rushing yards allowed and 28th in yards per carry. How will they hold up against the two-headed rushing attack of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery? That will be interesting to watch. But the Niners are no slouch either on the ground, of course, with Christian McCaffrey, nor through the air. The Lions are extremely vulnerable. You saw what Matt Stafford and Baker Mayfield did the past two weeks, throwing for over 700 yards, cumulative, and outgaining the Lions both weeks. The key for Detroit for me is to get Brock Purdy off schedule with pressure. And Detroit has registered a blitz rate of about 28% on first and second down. That's top 10. But if Brock Purdy gets into rhythm, are they allowed – Kyle Shanahan to control the tempo, this game could get away from the Lions. And if it does, they can't lean on the run as much as they'd like to. Now, the Lions have been very good against the spread this year, 13-6, and six, second best mark, only behind the Raiders. And the truth of the matter is, I think this game will come down to quarterback play. I do. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I can't can't be a fibber. Uh, I would lay the points. I think the Niners, it, it, barring something unforeseen crazy, it feels like it's a 34-24 Niners win, taking nothing away from what the Lions have done this year. It's been nothing short of sensational. Meanwhile, the Ravens, it's been their year. Now they got to slay the reigning Super Bowl champs. The Chiefs continue to defy and fortify their claim, I think, as a modern-day dynasty. Mahomes coming off his, you know, first career playoff victory on the road. And he's going to have to do it again. But it's his sixth consecutive AFC Championship game appearance. And by the way, the Chiefs played their best game of the season by considerable margin last week. The defense locked in three consecutive scoreless possessions to close out the game. And that unit's been solid all season, by the way, which also is something to be wary of with the Lions. When a team like the Niners is coming off a terrible performance like they were, you buy the dip, they, they, they look totally different the following week. And I know you're going to get an effort out of the Lions, but the Lions really are stepping up in class here pretty significantly on the road in a tough spot. As far as Kansas City, Baltimore, this mark this game is will be the first playoff meeting between Patrick Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson. In the regular season, though, Patrick Mahomes has his numbers, 3-1 and one against Lamar Jackson. The most wins of any starting quarterback against Lamar Jackson, whether it be regular season and the playoffs. And in the most recent meeting, which is three years ago, Jackson actually beat Mahomes in the Chiefs, but he had to rush for 107 yards and score three touchdowns. And you're, they're going to need that out of Lamar Jackson Sunday as well. I think one of the key matchup factors is, can Baltimore keep Patrick Mahomes in check When the play gets off schedule he has unbelievable scrambling ability and he's a unicorn when it comes to not only keeping plays alive open with his feet but making incredibly accurate timely throws downfield that turn into big plays kansas city's defense loves to use man coverage in the red zone and we'll see what todd monken if he has answers for that maybe jackson's receivers run crossers or the delay of their releases Red zone, uh, the Ravens were very good in, in red zone efficiency. Okay, they score a touchdown 62% of the time in, in their trips inside the 20. So that, to me, will be a, a, a just another heavyweight matchup. I think the Chiefs, very good season, maybe not by their standards, but, again, getting to the a, uh, the AFC Championship for the sixth year in a row, I think they fall short. I think Baltimore wins and covers the short number. So does it sound chalky? Yeah, but it It is, Uh, and this may defy the year. I mean, the last 10 years, uh, only half the number one seeds advanced to the Super Bowl, so that suggests maybe one goes down Sunday, but I don't think so this year. I think both number one seeds prevail, and we'll get a little bit more in-depth on Saturday night. Coming up, we're going to have a little fun, and we're certainly going to bring in the crew. For some of you travel ball coaches out there, you are certainly aware that in the city of Cooperstown, they have this phenomenal tournament every summer. Teams from around the country go, and it's not cheap, but it's worth it. Well, it turns out Alyssa Milano, remember Alyssa Milano, who's the boss, charmed? She's got a son on the team, and she needs you. And I'll explain why and what's coming up right after we go to Kevin Wyatt and the latest Yeah, Burn,
11: we saw some big performances in the NBA on Friday night. Luka Doncic getting himself the fourth most points scored in a single game in NBA history. Kobe Bryant, Wilt Chamberlain doing it a couple of different times ahead of him. 73 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists for Luka on the evening as the Mavericks needed all of that. They beat the Hawks 148-143 down in Atlanta. Devin Booker also with a huge game on. On Friday, 62 points with the Suns, unable to take down the Pacers in Indiana, 133-131 the final. Indiana outscoring Phoenix by 11 in that fourth quarter. Other NBA scores, huge game in Milwaukee. Cavaliers top the Bucks, 112-100. ESPN saying that Doc Rivers likely to make his coaching debut on Monday. Thunder with a defensive performance against the Pelicans as they hold New Orleans to just 83 points, 107-83 the final. Brandon Ingram, the leading scorer with just 12 points uh, for the Pelicans. Shea Gilgis Alexander had 31. Battle of Bottom Theaters in San Antonio saw the Spurs beat the Trailblazers 116 to 100. Grizzlies edge the Magic 107-106. Rockets over the Hornets 138-104. And the Clippers pound the Raptors 127 to 107 unranked team in action in college hoops as number 13, Wisconsin, Pulls away from Michigan State, 81-66. A.J. Storr with 28 points for the Badgers. NFL news, good news for the 49ers. Debo Samuel will be on the field on Sunday against the Lions in the NFC Championship game. He did have to leave the game against Green Bay last Saturday with a shoulder injury, but he did practice for the second straight day on Friday, and he does not carry an injury designation heading into the weekend. Not so good news, though, for the Lions. They've ruled out. Out Jonah Jackson, Khalif Raymond for Sunday's matchup. Joe Thune has been ruled out for the AFC Championship game with his strained pectoral muscles, so the Chiefs will be without him, without the old pro guard for their matchup with the Ravens. Isaiah Pacheco, Kadarius Toney listed as questionable. And in college football, the big story of the day, Sharon Moore getting promoted to head coach as uh, he takes over for Jim Harbaugh, who uh, left to go coach the LA Chargers. He's reported of the getting. A five-year contract is more. Back to you.
3: All right, Chef, good stuff. You'll be back with me Saturday night, correct? Absolutely. All right, looking forward to it. All right, I want to bring in the crew on this as well, but I want to set this up. I know you've all heard of Alyssa Milano. Uh, years on Who's the Boss, years on Charmed, married to, a, I believe, a talent agent, creative artist, and According to the website celebrity net worth and I have no idea if they're accurate Don't have any reason to doubt them, but don't quote me on it, but let's work with me. That's all I got to work with Uh, They listed uh, Alyssa Milano's net worth at ten million dollars. Is that true? Hell, I don't know I don't count anybody else's money anyway, and they also report that while she was on the show charmed she was making about ninety thousand dollars an episode Well, God bless her. She's got a son that likes baseball. That's all good with me because I like baseball. I define myself that way. She even said, baseball is life. It gives us purpose. We're driven to be our very best. But in order to compete, we must raise funds. Alyssa Milano is looking to raise $10,000 for her team. The Birds, the 12 12 and under travel team. I'm not sure where they're they're based out of. I'm going to guess California. She just tweeted out. Yesterday or Thursday, my son's baseball team is raising money for the Cooperstown trip any amount would be so greatly appreciated You could read more about the team and make a donation here Hmm Something about this doesn't sit right with me But I think believe it or not according to their travel fund. They've already managed to raise about 5900 of the 10 grand and so there are some very generous fine folks out there. Uh but the GoFundMe creation date was May 19th and you know other people have accused you of begging. I won't I won't be accusatory. I would just say this. Something doesn't sit right with me about this. Maybe the crew can straighten me out. Shay, what first of all, Shay, do you intend on uh donating to this very worthwhile cause?
19: Um I I you know, I got some of my own friends that have uh have uh, brothers that are going to be going to Cooperstown, so I right. It's a great thing. We go ahead. I have other teams I got to support, but It's a great thing. It really is a beautiful thing. And, and growing up, going to high school, like I had a ton of friends that I didn't play baseball myself, but all my friends went to Cooperstown. So it's a beautiful thing. But I it's mean, an
3: amazing week long deal. Go ahead.
19: I mean, they have never once posted on their Instagram saying, "Hey, we uh, we need some help getting to Cooperstown." And don't get me wrong, I don't think they were making as much as, <laughs> um, as Alyssa Milano was, or their families were making as much as Alyssa See, so you
3: bring Milano up a good was. point. How about a bake sale or find a sponsor or hold a car wash or yeah, something? Yeah, like something. So you be, be a little resourceful. It's freaking Alyssa Milano. You know, what, yeah. what's going on here?
19: Like, I don't expect her to pay for the entire trip. Don't get me wrong. Like, I had some wealthy people. Like, I grew up in Calabasas, so I had some wealthy people on my like in, like in around me. So it kind of was the same thing with them. But they're not going to pay for the entire trip. Like, why like, no one's expected to do that ever in life. It doesn't matter how much money you make. But with with kind of this kind of thing, it's more of just, you put more effort into it. You know what I mean? Like, you do have the money, but it's like, why should we give you money? It's more of just like, yeah, do a bake sale. Like, put up like a car wash or something like that. It, it, it's weird. You know what I mean? It's weird. It is thing. weird. It,
3: it doesn't sit well with yeah, me.
19: Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me either. But at the same time, like I'm, I don't expect her to pay for the whole trip.
3: Fair, fair, fair and balanced. Uh, chef, I'm sure you got some thoughts on this. You want to help Alyssa Milano out?
11: Personally, no, but I will say, Miss Melissa Alyssa Milano, excuse me, has actually responded to this firestorm, and she has said, "quote." I'm getting media inquiries about whether I have financially contributed to my son's baseball team. I've paid for uniforms for the entire team and coaches, thrown birthday parties, and sponsor any kid who can't afford monthly dues. She then added that the kids also do fundraising themselves, car washes, movie nights, and many other fun things. Thank you to all who have contributed to the GoFundMe. You made things easier for these boys and their families. And the amount apparently now is up to around $7,000. Wow, okay, uh, got an update. Now, I get, again, it's a little out of touch with the amount of money she has and, you know, there are people less fortunate and all that. But I think, I mean, there, there's way bigger things to get upset about than her asking for a little money to help kids go play in a baseball tournament. I mean, it's not like it's a a bad cause or, you know, something wasteful or not necessary. I mean, a lot of these kids, it's a big dream of theirs. So, I mean, I, I get it. Like, she's, she's wealthy. She can afford it. But, like... Hey, if you are gonna give that money, hey, you are helping kids go to Cooperstown, regardless of whether or not you think someone else is helping enough or not. So again, I get it. She's she's wealthy. You know, probably could contribute more, but I'm not gonna judge. And uh, I think again, uh, the, there's way more things to be outraged about than Fair enough. kids. Fair enough.
3: Going... I, I agree with you. Outrage is is over the top. I don't I don't advocate attacking her on Twitter. Uh, that's where Twitter becomes a cesspool. People lay behind their keyboards, and they they want power in life, and if they can't get it, they want to attack the people who do. So that part's wrong. But fundamentally to me, just philosophically to me, when you have a decade's successful career like she has, to have your hat in hand in the public like that, in the public eye, it just didn't sit right. Do I think it's warranted of attack? Not not for me. I got better things to do. I think both Shay and, and, and Kevin, I think you've been balanced on this. That's fair. Uh, seeing both sides. Uh, Mark Ramsey, I'm dying to hear what you got to say on this, though.
20: My answer would be no, I'm not giving anything. On the one hand, she is, I guess, encouraging and helping get the word out about an event. But on the other hand, like she was already saying, if they've been already giving, doing bake sales and car washes or whatever other means to raise money. I don't understand why the public has to know or has to, why she has to get her fans involved in raising money for her kids' events. If all the other parents who might not be as fortunate as her can't think of other things to do, maybe she can help the group by tipping it over and uh, giving some more money from her pocket. Sure. But I don't know why it was her good idea to. She's leveraging her celebrity. Yeah, why? Why she needs to get everybody involved in her kids' events? It's like it's it's a little bit too much.
3: Right. Uh, Yes. This could be a lot longer discussion, but I think the bottom line is when you are she is a celebrity. She has name recognition. And when I saw this, it just struck me. Okay? Well, like
20: Kevin said, it's, a, it's no reason to jump all over her about I, it. But it's, yeah, we're
3: not, and I don't think we're attacking. Her. Yeah, I think what well, we're no, trying but, to do is figure out what the hell we need to do. But the other
20: here. side is, next thing you know, may some person may say, "Could you help pay for my kid's braces?" We don't want to get that far.
3: Right, right. It, it, it is a slippery slope, but I, I think if you if you've got the means for this, uh, which it, it feels like you do, um, you know. America is a very philanthropic comp- country uh, people feel need people do have an instinct to want to help this to me was borderline and it just struck me as as odd coming up we wrap up the show I want to share with you a Brock Purdy stat you might not know about but yeah it's real and then one final thought I know we, we went around the room a couple weeks ago our our desired Super Bowl. Mine was Detroit and Buffalo. Obviously, Buffalo's not going to make it. And all I got to say is, you know, in sports and in life, there are bad endings, there are cruel endings, there are agony. And then there's Buffalo Bills and the way they manage to exit the playoffs every year. And we're not – it's not just now. It's. Go, I'll give you the history. And it's got to be brutally tough to be a Buffalo fan. They're good people. They're getting a new stadium too. Just once. Cleveland got knocked out. I was rooting for them. Buffalo got knocked out. I was rooting for them. We'll see if Detroit can hang. I'm not confident. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, studios. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio.
7: Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: All right, wrapping it up on The Bernie Fratto Show, back on these airwaves Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific to 3 a.m. Jam packed show. Just tweeted it out. Before I go any further, though, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Friday night. Shea Mogengard, great job managing through all the callers and keeping us glued together. As always, uh, of course, uh, Mark Ramsey, our technical producer, never misses a mark. Great stuff. And Kevin Weir, the chef, sitting in on a Friday night. Good to have you. And we'll have, I I I think, the same guys back Saturday. I guess uh, Shea did a great job training Ian. We'll have Ian, but uh, we'll have... uh, we'll have kevin and and mark back so appreciate the crew guys always great uh you might not know this about brock purdy yep niners are a perfect five and zero. and brock purdy starts versus nfc the playoff field they beat the cowboys the bucks the eagles the rams and packers if they beat the lions that would mean a clean sleep and that would be quite an exclamation point on San Francisco's NFC title, Brock Purdy can become the first quarterback for any team since Joe Montana in 1984 to sweep every playoff team they played in his conference between the regular season and the postseason. And you wanted to bash Brock Purdy, huh? Well, hold your horses there, fellas. We'll see what he does. That's pretty good. All right. I want to talk about Buffalo. To be a Bills fan, I got to believe is to exist in a state of agony. It's a, it's a vicious cycle that repeats itself. It's like a Twilight Zone episode, Mary's Groundhog Day. It repeats itself over and over. Hope, then disappointment. Hope, then pain. Hope, then more pain. Hope, then missed field goals. You know, their endings are not just bad endings, they're cruel. And every time it's when the game is on the line, and, and it's still indelibly etched in your memory, it'll still be talked about losing Sunday night to the Chiefs 27-24. People were crying in the stands, okay? They're, they're invested here in Buffalo. Uh, they always have been. Completely understandable. When you look at the Bills' history, both recent and distant history, okay? Let's go the last four years. The Bills have averaged 11.6 wins per season. They've made the playoffs every year. They've reached the AFC Championship game only once, but they always lose by a single possession every game, seven times this season alone. Sunday night, Tyler Bast joined the history of Buffalo Bills infamy by missing a 44-yard field goal wide right. It was eerily similar. To the most famous super bowl loss on a missed field goal by scott norwood back in 1991 super bowl 25 that went wide right buffalo was a seven point favorite against the new york giants that day buffalo bill belichick was the defensive coordinator and they stifled jim kelly and the k-gun offense but they still had a chance to win the game and scott norwood's field goal soared wide right oh by the way i gave you the last four years how about that five-year period Between 88 and 93, the Buffalo Bills not only averaged the same, 11.6 wins per season, made the playoffs every year, and went to and lost four straight Super Bowls. They lost to the New York Giants, then Washington, and then Dallas twice. But the first Super Bowl they lost was the one with the missed kick by Scott Norwood. You have to wonder, had Buffalo closed the deal that day, might their fortunes have changed? Unreal. Meanwhile, who benefits? The Chiefs. They're defending Super Bowl champs. They eliminated the Bills in 2021, 2022, and now 2024. Terrible vibes in Buffalo. Kansas City somehow just seems to stroll into town by sheer... You know, Casey Stengel used to say, teams lose to the Yankees because they get stuck staring at the pinstripes. I think the Bills look at that team and they're psyched out. Maybe that's not fair, but until they prove me wrong... You know, Jason Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, right on down the line. So, look, Buffalo had their chances last Sunday. Kansas City had to survive multiple situations where they couldn't put them away. I don't want to say Buffalo choked at the end, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. They get to watch Kansas City make a sixth straight trip to the AFC Championship. And meanwhile, Buffalo goes home. In the most agonizing way. Even if you're not a Bills fan, you got to feel for this team and feel for this city. It's going to do it for the Bernie Fratto show. Back on these airwaves Saturday night, 11 p.m., the Bernie Fratto show. Keep it locked up next, the fellas on Fox Sports Radio.